0: Hey guys, welcome to the emetophobia podcast. Today I talked to Shannon Tobin on the podcast. She is 51 years young, has had emetophobia for basically her entire life, and has not gotten sick since she was nine years old. Um, Super insane, Um, it was a great podcast to talk to her. This one's a little bit on the shorter side, but that's fine, Uh, and let's get into it. Hello. Hey.
1: Hi.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good, good. I have uh, some terrible allergies this morning. So just bear with me here, but it's working out. It's okay.
1: I hope it's allergies, my friend.
0: Yeah. I have them <laughs> <'Cause ever.
1: laughs> My four of my um I have two high schoolers and a husband and I were all positive. So we've been positive oh, since oh. the 30th. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Can yeah, you I, hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I got uh, we got COVID a few months back and went through it then, and I just I have like dust mite allergies. It's all oh, dust related. My daughter,
1: my daughter does too. They're so annoying.
0: Yeah, it's the worst.
1: I have to put my glasses on, but um, I'm happy. You know, I'm really happy. I have to put my old lady glasses on. You know, I am older than you. I'm 51.
0: <laughs> no <Don't> worries.
1: <laughs> okay, so these are really old. These are like my emergency glasses, but I can see you better. Um, so yeah i had been on looking on i've been on the phone a lot the past 72 hours and i was like oh you know emetophobia i've seen a few people that have instagram which i think is fantastic to launch such a uh and I, i was thinking about it this morning i was like you know it's one of those phobias that is not common and you're considered I've always felt it was considered a weird phobia. Like, you're weird. What's wrong with
0: you? big time. When
1: people are terrified of spiders, and I'm like, you're just acting like you're terrified of spiders, because that's the most common thing that people are, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever felt that, but I feel like an odd duck in the, like a a black sheep when there's comes, you know, when it comes to phobias
0: two other people in real life that have had it and it was kind of crazy that I even met them so and one of them was like a weird situation like on tinder I met a girl and went and hung out with her and she just Mm -hmm. so happened to have metaphobia. and I was like whoa and she explained it to a t like exactly the same way that I was dealing with it had a a pack of gum there did all the same little like ticks and Mm -hmm. oc that I did and I was like wow this is weird so it's very mm-hmm. hard to find people who are on the same level as you in real life is it's awesome to have this platform to be able to talk to a lot of people who also have it. So
1: I know. And I was very happy when I saw like that you were interviewing that other guy yesterday. I thought, you know, if I can share any light and especially being a mom now of two and being fifty one and how yeah. how have I dealt with it? You know, it's different when I was twenty five now that I'm fifty one. So yeah,
0: yeah. How long have you had a metaphobia for?
1: Um, as long as I can remember and, um, and I can, you know, probably get into it more if once you turn on your, whatever, you know, I'm not very savvy, but I've yeah. had it for a long time. I've had it for as long as I can remember. Um, do you tell me like, am I on, are you taping this or?
0: I am. Yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, with... I
1: didn't know. <laughs> oh, you're
0: good. You're good. You're so good.
1: stupid. So no worries, no worries. I, I've had it since I was a little girl. And I think it was due to my mom, because we always try to figure it out. My mom and dad are still living. And my mom thinks it's because she had to give me Ipecac syrup because she thought I took her prenatal vitamins from my other sister that's two years younger than me. So, but I don't know if that's really the truth. I think basically it was something that, I mean, maybe, maybe it is, but for as long as I can remember when I didn't feel good, my dad would take me down to the toilet our bathroom was on the first floor and just say put your head over the and I'm not like I always feel bad like it was never his fault it was just the way I interpreted it he would put my head over the toilet and I just remember as a little girl that was a very terrifying feeling and then where the and I've actually had dreams in past where there's been like waves um like brushing me like going with the waves like actually an undertow and I wonder if that has something to do with like the toilet flushing like I've tried to figure this all out in my head because I think that they're so irrational but there's a reason why we have a fear yeah,
0: yeah yeah and I think over the like all you do is just think about it and think about it and think about it and then you get to this point where you're like I think I figured out where it came from but then you're like well actually there's a couple other things too that it could have came from and like it's just like a constant thinking so deep about it all the time it's so weird it is
1: so weird and I so I I've, I've actually thought that if that's the case that whenever he would bring me down and actually would beg him when I didn't feel well growing up daddy promise me I won't get sick promise me promise me please yeah. and then if it meant that I saw the toilet seat up the lid up and I said I didn't feel well no this was like when I was little four or five years old six years old that was the sign that I may get sick right. so I actually you know I still to this day don't have a one episode because i've heard through stories on your your instagram and other people that they've had a situation that was a trigger yeah and i never had a trigger
0: Hmm.
1: it was just a memory
0: um yeah everybody's different with that too because some people do have like a a definite moment like i remember the day that it all happened for me where like everything changed and i I told the story on the podcast about my friend getting oh yeah everything that was like the day before that, I would get like that frog in your throat, you know, and it was like that anxiety yeah. feeling, but I never yeah. knew that was attributed to emetophobia, but that day is when it really ramped up into like the next level. And that's where it started really affecting me. And I dropped out of high school and there was a lot of different problems with that. So. And that's
1: amazing how, like, I remember I listened to yours and how you had that one instance and then the anxiety just, you yeah. just went, you know, it, it just turned into all sorts of, and anxiety is, they go hand in hand. Um, so basically I haven't vomited since I was nine.
0: Wow. No way. That's insane. You never had the flu or anything?
1: And I'm 51. Wow. And I find that when I get ill, you know, our bodies do one or the other. And I just never, since I was nine, I remember last time I threw up and it was when I was nine and I got car sick and I was laying on my grandfather's lap in the front seat of the car going to, going away. And I just vomited a little, but I don't really remember it, nor was I shooken by it, but here I am 51, and that was when I was nine, so I've had norovirus that just rids it, you know, not to be graphic, but like I just don't get sick, but what I found over all these years was that our mind is the strongest organ, so I think that unless I was to really, really do something to make my body toxic say I was to drink I've I've never been a I've never drank so much that I've gotten drunk that I've vomited or I may have felt really really sick but I've never vomited I it's just like your mind is just crazy strong
0: yeah, no, I just same thing where it's like i have almost trained myself to not do it. It's like no matter what happens, I will sit and just deal with the nausea for days on end, and I just will not do it. Like no matter what, it's mm-hmm. just so your mind just like fights it off constantly because it just knows it's going to be the worst thing in the world to happen to have that happen. Mm-hmm. But, but then I do remember back my the, the last time I uh, got sick was on Valentine's Day when I was like a little kid, and I remember just eating a ton of chocolate, like way too much chocolate that my mom gave me and I just remember laying on the couch with the worst nausea my stomach hurt so bad and then I just got sick and then right after that I felt great I walked in the kitchen sat down with my mom I'm like hey what's up You're good I'm like yeah I'm fine now and it was just like one of those things and now I kind of attribute that in my head as like a positive thing instead of a negative thing so
1: you know what that's true because I find that for me living and thinking about it for all these years it's not the actual act that's not the scary part and having two children that have I've you know, dealt with their stomach issues. It's the anticipation. Yeah. When is it going to happen? So I'll just give you a scenario. Um, you know, my kids have been ill and they've had norovirus, but it's like, if they, my fight or flight is when they say, mom, my belly hurts. And yeah. it's like, as soon as they say that, I literally see stars and I think I'm going to faint. And I'm, when I, I mean, that sounds so dramatic, but I literally do. And my husband knows I have to go into like child's pose because that's my feeling of, I just want to run and run as fast as I can and get away from, you know, being not off on their mother and I can't deal with it. But um, I've learned coping mechanisms, which have been great. A couple of years ago, I learned that when my daughter had been sick and my husband wasn't home to help me, because he's always the one that will help because he knows I can't participate at all. Um, This was like a good tip if this can help anybody. Because of that feeling of fight or flight, how did I deal with it? She was in her bed and she said her belly was starting to hurt again. And I started feeling anxious. And what do I do? And I'm by myself and my husband's not here. I went out to my driveway and ran in circles and ran and ran and ran and ran. And I came back in and I was like, my adrenaline had an outlet. Yeah. So I came back in and I'm like, okay, I can handle this until he gets home. And it was like the best tool that I had learned, you know? So I think it's basically just, we have to all find our tools to help get over this fear. But it's always been for me, when will it happen? When it happens, it's okay. And I feel like, oh good, that wasn't a big deal she's got she got sick and now we're dealing with it but it's like the when
0: yeah no i get you and then it's also like with your emetophobia, are you more afraid of yourself doing it or the people around yourself oh so
1: when they get the norovirus i'm just using that as an example because usually the norovirus is what's catchy yeah um i i'm terrified i'm gonna get it yeah but if i've had it first and i just have stomach upset and a little gi stuff and then they get it which has happened when i they were little I was fine because I already had had it. So I'm like, okay, mine was mild, but yours is worse. And
0: Yep, yep. Yeah, um, I was really, COVID, like, my girlfriend, she she was very nauseous through it all and was, like, really mm. having a lot of stomach problems and couldn't eat anything. And in my case, I didn't get any nausea. I just lost my sense of smell. That was it. I lost it for, like, a month. Couldn't smell anything. Really tired. Real fatigued. And that was really at like, My legs hurt a little bit. And then I had just a, a little bit of a chest cough for, like, a couple days. And that was it. Like, mm-hmm. it was just pretty simple. But hers mm-hmm. was thing and so I got over mine first and then as she's going through hers, she was feeling nauseous I'm just sitting here like I don't know if I don't want to be in the same room right now like this is kind of scary so it was just like tough for me because mm-hmm. I'm going catch it again and then get this like I didn't know if it was like a different kind of COVID I just didn't know too much about it at the time but now that I look back it's just like it was all the same thing she just had it differently than I do it all affects us or maybe my body just yeah. was like getting nauseous man like it's just not gonna happen sorry
1: when when did you have it?
0: Uh, we had it it was about like two months ago two and a half months ago something like that oh. so not too long ago we
1: yeah. have no stomach issues everybody has an appetite in my family yeah there um, you go. but i i what i found i had mentioned it to you, my daughter that's um a junior in high school she's also had it forever and i'm still to this day will always wonder if it's because of the way i reacted when she was a little girl and i wasn't a calm mother yeah. that was like you know you're fine. But you know, I didn't respond calm. I overreacted and panicked and she picked up on that. And so Yeah. I never thought about it. Fig- and the thing is is she can't figure it out either because it, it is what it is. But yet my daughter that's 14 has not a problem with it.
0: Weird. Yeah, I never thought about that because a lot of our childhood traumas and stuff come with us into adulthood. So it's like mm-hmm. Maybe she just didn't get the, the comfort she was looking for at that time. And it just kind of manifested yeah. itself into a OCD thing. So
1: I think so. And what happened with um, me being the way I was and having toddlers that, that touch everything, mm-hmm. I became super OCD. So when they were like two and four and five and six and seven, see, I could always be in control of my own fear until I had my kids. Yeah. And then when I had my kids and during the winter and they touch everything and suck their thumb and everything and everybody's sick and throwing up, I started telling them not to touch anything. Like, don't touch the elevator. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Don't, to, don't touch the handle on the shopping carriage and like all right. these crazy things. And then I started thinking, this is safety. Like to hold on to an elevator while you're going up and down. Like I had to really do a lot of work to just let go, to just
0: been, stop. A lot of that, like you build immunities when you're kind of touching things and like getting exposed to things in a way. You know what I mean? It's like, keeping yourself super safe and clean all the time, every day, your body has no way of building up immunities to things. That was like mm-hmm. something. I. My ex-girlfriend had a couple of kids that were like three and four years old. And I remember one day at the movie theater, the three-year-old little girl, she just had her mouth around the railing. Like just like, Oh
1: yeah. Oh, that type of behavior was like disgusting.
0: Like, yeah. Oh, that's way too disgusting. But like, I mean, go to the park and touching things and do, I mean, it's just part of being a kid, you know, it's like, you mm-hmm. got to let them, Experience that for immunities purposes, you know, it's like, got to be stronger in their, in their body a little bit, but
1: yeah. But if I can help anybody, you know, I don't know, everybody's at different points of their lives, but I um, had brought my daughter to therapy and through the therapy, I was able to help myself to say, you know, hold on to that shopping cart and see what happens. Yep. Hold on to that elevator in the middle of the winter months when everybody's getting COVID, uh, norovirus and see what happens. And you'll see that Probably the chances of you getting ill will be very small. So, even though it may not have benefited her because she didn't seem to be uh, responsive to this woman, this therapist, because I sat in with her, I was like, "Oh, this is helping me." Right, <laughs> so, there you go. You know, um, but I find that if we can all find tools to to deal with it. Now, I've never had the food poisoning, chewing gum. I've mine's never been so severe that. I've always had to have water and gum, yeah. and been afraid of. You know, I've gone to restaurants, and I I really feel for people that have it so severe that they bring their own utensils, and there's all sorts of rituals.
0: Yeah, there's a lot um, of different
1: traditions for sure. There's so many variations, and and my heart still because I can feel for them. Really, it's it's it it controls our life, but um, when we can be like the. Were you telling the story the other day about the dragon and, the, and yep. the house? Yep, yep. Yeah, if we can know that we're in charge and not the dragon.
0: Yeah, that, I, I keep using that reference constantly because I, it's a story by Jordan Peterson. He tells it on a podcast I was listening to. I can't remember the podcast, but he explained that how, like it's even bigger with kids because they try to tell their parents like this is something that's wrong with me and the parent just keeps brushing it off saying no you're fine you're fine you're fine you're fine and then when they grow up they're like no no i had a really big problem and i just never got the help i needed so it's that's kind of the thing of like you can't run away from every problem that you have you almost have to face it head on or else it's going to take your house and pick you up and you're going to be walking away with it you know it's just one of those scary situations so it's weird it's a weird world for sure but no, I, I want to talk to more about maybe your coping skills a little bit and what you've done over the years to get you more comfortable with having that phobia. Um,
1: so my coping skills, you know, I guess I only deal with it when I see it enter my home. Um, I don't live a life where I, I mean, I, it's funny, I saw on someone else's um, Instagram post that they say the day that a norovirus vaccine will come out will be a very happy day. And I have to admit, I felt that from the like bottom of my soul. I was like, because the winter months are always the hardest for me. Um, but I guess my coping skills are just learning how to, when a situation arises, um, to do, like I said, like let off steam, run around. You know, I've heard people go in, I even told my daughter, you know, when your anxiety gets high, go into um, the bathroom stall and just like do squats, like up, like you have to get that um, fight or flight feeling in control. I
0: can something, too. There's a guy named Wim Hof that I've been following for a while.
1: Yeah, I haven't yeah. looked into that
0: talking about the the breathing exercises that breathing exercise will put you into fight or flight mode like it really does give you that like exhilarating like experience and it's just breathing like like really fast but try to lay down when you do it because like i said you might pass out it's kind of a scary situation that's
1: right i i did see that you were talking about that and also the cold shower thing which i am a big believer in
0: uh it's amazing a lot for sure i like that a lot but yeah, that but when you're
1: in a situation, like say, you know, I'm just thinking of a situation, like say you're out at a restaurant, all of a sudden, sudden, like, I'm just using this example, because it's not often that people get sick in public. But when it does happen, it hasn't happened to me for so long. Um, I don't know how I'd respond. I, I, You know, I don't know how my kids would respond. Um, but I just remember in college, it was a really miserable time for me because people were drinking and throwing up everywhere. And it was like a normal thing. And I can it give was you really hard for me to be around.
0: One quick example. I was at a bar once playing pool and I'm not a big drinker myself, but we were there. I had a couple beers. So I was like a little bit, you know, like buzzed and we were playing pool. And there was this dude sitting on a stool over to the corner there. He's just sitting there. His wife was there next to him on her phone, just not paying attention to him. I mean, he's like, you know, just falling all around on the stool, just absolutely wasted. And I I was at me as with an emetophobia problem. I, I watch everybody all the time. So I'm constantly like paying attention to people and what they're like portraying out in the public. And like, what is this dude feeling right now? Is he okay? Is he going to be all right? And I'm just like constantly just honing in on him. And all of a sudden he just looks down and got sick all over himself right there in the public, right there in the bar. Like it was no big deal. And that was the one of the first moments I've ever been exposed to something like that. Just so raw and just real, like in the moment. And I just stood there and I almost just faced it. I was like, he's not my homie. Doesn't have anything to do with me. He's with his girlfriend. I went outside obviously. And I kind of had a little breakdown for a moment. I was like, Oh, I need to just get away and just calm down. But the bartender and everybody, they got him up, put him in a car. His wife took him home and everything. He was all out of there. But I went back in and I finished my pool game and I had a really good night. And that was like, that was when the kind of the wheels had changed in my head to say, You didn't run away completely and just get away from the problem. You came back in, finished your night. You didn't let it take over you. And now it's easier for me to do those things in those situations. I don't just run away completely every time. I'm just like, hey, it's not my problem. If it's somebody I'm with, it's a different story, you know, because then I have to kind of take care of them. And I understand that. But at least if you're in public and you see somebody do that, it is a better um, way to just go right back in and deal with your night and don't run away from it completely. Because that means that emetophobia has won. You know what I mean? That's right that demon in your head has taken over and now you're, you're gone. And it's, Mm -hmm. that it just further makes it worse in the long run. You know what I mean? So something I learned. I
1: totally agree. And I try to teach that to my daughters, you know, if there's somebody at school and somebody gets sick, that's my daughter's trigger. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Especially well, my daughter that's in high school and she'll go to the nurse and she'll have a panic attack and, you know, it's just trying to help her navigate what will help her and, um, function in society but yeah. it, it's a shame that it's a phobia that isn't a familiar one and there aren't some more support groups and there aren't more you know we have a hospital that's not that far away but it's an overnight kind of thing to help like there's just not it's even hard to find therapists that even cover and, insurance it's really hard it's just a really hard thing to try to navigate I've been
0: to a therapist for a while and. time I was with her, she just kept telling me, she's like, do you want to be in therapy? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're basically just answering all of your own questions before I can even give you the answers. It seems like you already know what you need to do here. And it was kind of one of those things where I really was already aware of it all. I just needed to talk about it for a minute. I just needed to let it out of my own mouth and say, this is what's been going on. This is how I'd like to fix it. This is what's been helping me. And she's like, you're good. You know what you got to do. You just keep doing it. You know what I mean? So I ended up kind of like working out of my therapist situation in a way but it, it worked out for me because I just needed somebody to talk to it was just nice to have and I think to-
1: that's exactly what I think your Instagram is great for because I think we all know I think we all just need the support to know that we're not we we don't have an an odd phobia it's a phobia and yeah. everybody has different phobias there are some that are more common than others Sure. And we just don't happen to fall in that common category.
0: My girlfriend is afraid of seaweed, for instance. That's her phobia, like, deathly afraid, cannot be around it, cannot go in water with seaweed, doesn't even want to be in a boat near it, nothing. Like, she's deathly afraid of seaweed. And that's one of those things where you just have to be like, you know, okay, we're not going to go in water with seaweed. I, I hate it too, honestly, but I don't have a phobia as, as strong as hers, but I definitely yes. see where she's from because I have a metaphobia. So I understand, like, we all are scared of weird things. You know, it's just one of those things we don't know where it came from or why mm-hmm. we're scared. Of tough to deal with sometimes
1: so what's interesting is about what we have is that there's no control like she can control not going in the water she can control not being around the seaweed like she can either go swimming in the ocean or not right right we we have a bodily function phobia (laughs) (laughs) so go figure it's like we can't we can't you know It's it's like we can't just run from it it would be great if we could not have to deal with
0: it but yeah and it's 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 a very controlling disorder so like everything you have to do it needs to be in your control or else you just Mm -hmm. feel like you go in public you can't control what everybody else is doing like they could either be sick or not they could be sick or not they could have um just any amount of problems happen during the day in public because you just can't control anything anybody else is doing and it's just super tough to deal with sometimes
1: yeah I had a, I had a, one woman was kind of an interesting way of looking at it. I told her about my situation and she said, well, think about it in the wild. If there's like uh, a mammal sick,
0: sure,
1: sure, other mammals don't help them. They flee that animal. They leave that animal alone. Very true. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting way of looking at it. You know, that's in my mind, as much as I love my kids to death, I would, want to leave the house for three days if I go
0: yeah no I get and so it's,
1: I feel so bad to admit that but it's until I know that the virus is out of the house yeah it's awful
0: <laughs> no I don't blame you at all I, I do the same thing and when I was living with my her kids they were getting sick constantly just I don't even know why it was just being kids you know they'd go around a the park they go where places there a lot of people are touching things and doing things and so they come home and they would get the flu. And I remember one time I just sent them all to her grandma's house. I was like, please just go away for a few days. I cannot stand being around you guys right now. I don't, I cannot get sick, not only because I didn't want to get sick, but also because I had to work. I mean, I, I had obligations to pay for my bills and I just, I couldn't take a week off work to be sick. So mm-hmm. definitely tough. Um, I just, it's, yeah.
1: let see. I wonder if, for, like for you, if you knew you weren't going to get sick, are you okay with the exposure? Say we, cause that's a lot of what some of these places that are where I live, the hospital that where I live, um, they help with exposure therapy. So like, they're going to constantly expose an individual to it without, with like, would you, if you knew you weren't going to be sick, would you be, ex- would you be okay with different kinds of exposure right next to you
0: all day? Yeah. I have been doing that voluntarily myself for years to help me with the emetophobia. That's something that has been one of my biggest things. That's helped me the most. I started with animals. There's like, there's a whole YouTube pages that are dedicated to this, to helping people have exposure therapy to this. And you start, it's like a level system where you start on level one, where it's like a cat getting sick and then a dog throwing up on the ground. And then, then you move your way up to kids. So it's like a baby, like, you know, getting sick, like with the just normal, like throwing up. Then you move up into like really intense, like really, really gross stuff where you've got like people drinking a gallon of milk and getting sick, like all over the ground. And once you get to that level, it's almost like, it's almost kind of comedic in a way. You're just like, this is ridiculous. Like I cannot imagine doing some of this stuff and it almost just gets easier and easier over the years. And nowadays, like it still bothers me. I still have like that, you know, fight or flight heart starts beating really fast. I get the little frog in my throat. I get a little nervous but it's very easy for me to just calm down and say, Hey, like it is what it is. I've seen it before. It's not like it's the end of the world. I'm going to be fine. So as long as I'm fine, it's okay. Like sucks for them. And I just try to laugh it off as a positive experience. That's the plan. So
1: my dog got sick this morning. Go figure. I have two dogs and one of them is always getting sick, but that doesn't bother me. No, You know, and I, and I tried to expose, like watch things on TV, but it's the actual it happening physically right next to me, like a,
0: I don't yeah. know that's a tough one because and just like everybody else with menophobia, you have to be like well what kind of sickness is it is it just being drunk yeah. like they yeah. ate some food. they have an illness it's like you almost have to wonder it's, what it's,
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of components to it as gross as it sounds if somebody just eats something and it comes right back up that's not as gross as something that's been sitting in your belly for like four or five.
0: yeah it's weird to think about that was so weird
1: i know and then the whole all the other sensories that come with it it's just like i can't even but yeah. what do i do i rise above i get through it and actually after that first episode if there's many episodes coming that one episode um is is like i feel like i've accomplished something
0: sure and my, yeah. my
1: husband's only actually been sick once in the 20 years we've been married Wow. and the one time he got married i mean sick i was like oh my gosh, like I couldn't even believe it. I was beside myself.
0: I'm waiting for the day. I mean, I had a thing on the 4th of July where I got uh, like dry heaves from drinking too much alcohol, and I had a really bad hangover the next day, and that was like my rush with being sick, but I never actually threw up. It was just a lot of dry heaves, Um, but I'm just waiting for the day to get sick. Like at this point, it's more or less like it's not an if, it's a when kind of thing. It's like, I know it's going to happen eventually. And I'm kind of just getting myself prepared for that because it's like, That's good. How, wanna, how, when
1: did you say you got sick last?
0: Uh, it was like maybe 12 years ago, was the last time I got sick. So it's been quite a while myself. Yeah. But, and I no, was, like,
1: I feel like kind of, I, I kind of have this strange attitude when people are like, you haven't gotten sick since you were nine. And I'm like, no.
0: yeah. People say that too. They're just like, you haven't thrown up in 12 years. Like I threw up yesterday. I'm like, I'm just not normal, man, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. I do. I I agree. I agree. But I think it's great that you have this podcast. And I think, um, you know, anything that helps people with tips and ideas and stories like you had, you know, I think we're just helping people get through it, navigate life the best that they can and not run from it
0: yeah that's a big one running away is the worst thing you could possibly do it just makes it worse and worse
1: you know people don't fly what's interesting people won't fly people won't take long rides they won't take train rides people won't get pregnant
0: you yeah. know what's
1: interesting yeah. is that as much as i never have heard people get sick when they get pregnant i didn't worry about that
0: yeah did you so get my sick? daughter
1: that's 17 did- even said that mom i'll even throw up i don't care i you know it's worth it so
0: did did you have any problems with the pregnancy side were you really worried beforehand or no
1: no that's the thing about it is that I just I had this peaceful feeling like I'm gonna take it as it comes and that wasn't my first thought was well if I get morning sickness how am I gonna you know and I know that many many women unfortunately do worry about that and then don't get don't decide to have children and I'm so sad that you know, that that can happen for people. I guess mine, I've been able to work with it in my 51 years. Sure.
0: No, that's good. No, it's, I, I hear it a lot too with the with, uh, um, Instagram. I hear people talking to me about, there was a girl that messaged me a long time ago that said she'd just recently gotten pregnant and was just having an absolute breakdown because of it. And she wanted to go get an abortion because it was so scary. And I was just like, I, I, I cannot tell you like that would not be a good idea. I promise you that. Like, please oh, just you do what you need to do. And it's, I mean, it's a human life. You cannot do that to some human life. That's, over just-
1: that's really, that breaks my heart. I mean, I would love to talk to anybody that ever, you know, would would contemplate getting pregnant because of morning sickness. I mean, that's yeah. when it really rules your life that strongly. Yeah. I just, talk- yeah. yeah. Well, I have to... I have to go. Um, my do you want home. to do you want I'm to share
0: and really, find you at before you go?
1: Um, it's Shannon O'Tobin.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll definitely post some down in the show notes too. I'll, I'll make sure everybody can follow you and everything. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking to me for a little while. It's been an awesome. I know.
1: I, I, I hope that we can all navigate through life, you know, and make it the easiest we can. And um, you know, I I just wish that where there were more like therapy groups for people that were you know or easier easier access to get to therapists that really can I mean I don't I think it's just trying to trying to work through it it's not that we need an answer to why we have this phobia it's just how can we change our mindset like you said and you know I don't know I think we could all wish that we never had it but we do it's part of us it's part of who we are
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been really awesome talking to you. I'll uh, see you you around. All right.
1: Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You can find her over on Instagram at Shannon.o.tobin. This was a great podcast to talk about a bunch of different topics. Um, Like I said, it was a little bit shorter, but that's fine. I like the shorter ones. Sometimes it's good to have a, a 25, 30 minute long podcast here and there. Um, But yeah, if you guys want to follow me, you can definitely check out my Instagram link tree now. I've got a link tree over there that will give you all the links. The website is back up and running at emetaphobias.com. It's got all the links for all the podcast episodes. There's a podcast player right on the website itself. And if you go to the website and scroll down a little tiny bit on the top, there's a contact us button. That's an email directly to me. So if you want to send any articles or any blog posts or pictures or anything to that um, email, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And I look forward to hearing from you guys and seeing you on the next podcast. Peace out.